born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sings the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope, let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أهلا وسهلا ومرحبا بكم respected listeners of Radio Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM I'm your host this evening Muhammad Sheikh and inshallah on our program Born to Serve where we highlight leaders that are making a difference in society solely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the benefit of humanity at large inshallah we begin the proceeding this evening with a an interview of one of our leaders in society who features or rather has the opportunity of benefiting from both aspects dini knowledge and circular knowledge inshallah this this interview was conducted by muhammad fasih peterson and I'd leave the surprise for you in terms of this guest. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Born to Serve on the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM stereo, where we look at learned people now, very own community, who are serving the community through their work. And uh, this evening we speak to not only an imam, but also an engineer by profession. Now remember, uh, you can always SMS us 47913, your comments on any of our shows. And also don't forget to go onto our VSC Facebook fan page and uh, like and comment and share your messages with us there as well inshallah but of course as mentioned this evening we speak to an imam as well as a full-time engineer by profession and that is imam mahdi Kril sharing his journey with us taking us on this trip as how he grew up and also in terms of what inspires him and what keeps him motivated to do the work that he does imam assalamu alaikum and welcome Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to the listeners. Well, of course, we know Imam's voice, uh, no stranger to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape, uh, and uh, it's a pleasure to have Imam in studio once again. This uh, evening, obviously, on a different note, uh, the focus has been shifted to to Imam specifically, inshallah, to look at uh, um, the contribution that Imam has made. And obviously, we say there's not in the sense to glorify the person we're talking about, but rather to give people an understanding of the people in our community and what they do and how they serve, inshallah. So this evening, we're speaking about Imam Mahdi Kiel. Imam, uh, first of all, when we talk about uh, Imam Mahdi Kiril, we talk about the person. Uh, where did Imam grow up and what, what was Imam's uh, childhood like? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidil mursaleen, sayyidina wa maulana muhammadin, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. We were... Um, all, we were born in Worcester, myself, my brothers and sister, and uh, in 1960 we uh, migrated or um, moved to uh, Cape Town, Kensington, and um, that's where I grew up most of my life, went to school, and um, went to madrasa, of course, there, and alhamdulillah, the, the, I've, uh, I've been blessed with parents who were serious about education 
whether it was, you know, the day school or the madrasa education. So they were very particular and serious about that. The, um, then after matriculation, um, then I went into the field of electrical engineering, attended um, uh, Pentec, Peninsula Technical um, College at that time during the 1970s, 1972 to 1976. And um, then eventually did uh, training as an engineering assistant with the city of Cape Town. Stayed with the city of Cape Town until 1997, after which I left and decided to open my own company as an engineering, electrical engineering consultant. Now, I'm just going back to uh, the point where you made the choice to uh, take up electrical engineering, which is a very specific profession um, with a very specific outcome. Was there an interest in electronics uh, at the time uh, when Imam uh, made the choice? Uh, or was it something Imam just decided, look, I want to take on a position, I want to take on a, a form of work, this is what I'm going to do? Well, look, those days were the days where uh, we did not even know about a computer yet mm-hmm. or a cell phone and any of these fancy uh, cell phones that they have nowadays. There was no idea of that. And uh, I think that like with most of us, you know, when you um, matriculate and you haven't really come to grips yet, this is my, the profession I wish to pursue or whatever it is. And um, because of the lack of uh, guidance in that field and in that regard. So uh, in, in the first two years, I went around de- uh, doing uh, various uh, administration functions and with various companies. And then after two years, I, I said, uh, no, now I want to, I know now what I want to do. I want to pursue a career path in the electrical engineering field. Um, also, I have to ask this question because Imam uh, kind of uh, set it up right at the beginning. Obviously, the 70s was very much an analog age and mm. slowly we were moving, progressing to digital. digital. So was electrical engineering as a field still very rare in terms of you know, students lining up to partake in, in its study? Look, those days the, the, the scope for colored and black people was not as it is today. And it was a battle to get into any engineering training field as such. For example, after I um, completed my technician's diploma or certificate and my national diploma in electrical engineering, the, the work was so, it was difficult to find jobs even because they took it that you were overqualified. Because those in charge of you, the whites in this case, they were lesser qualified than this person now standing in front of them. And that is why it was very difficult to find a job. Eventually, um, I had to state that I had half the qualifications I had and then I got the job. You understand? So that's how difficult it was in those days. The, even when I uh, uh, applied for the post as uh, um, an engineer's assistant, with the city of Cape Town. Three times the white union opposed it. 
I was appointed the first time and then the, the trade union refused it and they said, no, it was a white man's post. All right, these are now real facts. This, this is what we went through. Mm -hmm. And they cancelled the whole thing, but after all the interviews and whatever, it was cancelled. A few months later, they advertised again. I applied again, and again I was selected and, uh, um, by the uh, engineers. And again, the, it was refused. It was again cancelled. A few months later, they re-advertised again. And then they said, okay, when I was appointed again after all the interviews that they've done. So they again selected uh, myself for, the, for this position. And then they said, the white union then said, you can give him the post or you can appoint him provided that you take a white person also. So even though the ad was placed for one position, that so they had to take on two. Uh, listen, now, that gives you an idea of what it was like in our time. Listening to you, I'm speak, I can see the obstinance of the uh, of the old regime, of the older part of the mm. regime, in not wanting to accept that anyone, a person of color, yeah. was able and capable to do a particular job without some kind of oversight mm. uh, from a white person. Mm. So yeah, I think I, that must have been very frustrating at the yeah. time. Um, and also, when when I when I think about this. And I think how fortunate, alhamdulillah, we are in this day and age, especially mm -hmm. with young people now being able to qualify. And no longer are they restricted by the color of their skin in yeah. terms of what opportunities they may apply for and what opportunities they may be accepted for. Mm -hmm. um, so alhamdulillah, that is yeah, alhamdulillah, the opportunities are there in this day and age and um, they mustn't become discouraged, no matter what obstacles come, uh, come your way. Now, Imam, um, obviously we've spoken a lot about uh, secular education, um, but let's also focus now on Islamic education because I know Imam is also an author of many books and many of those are books with an Islamic coloring to it. So obviously um, we have to ask the question, where did the inspiration start? Uh, where did this, this desire to, to delve deeper into the deen, into the deeper meanings of Islam and the deeper understanding of deen, where, where did this originate from? Look, like I said, with uh, uh, in the case of uh, uh, my father also encouraged us and we um, attended classes um, at the Azawiya uh, Masjid and um, then afterwards um, I, joined, I did a, a two-year course at the uh, Institute of Islamic Sharia Studies where Sheikh Tawfa was the principal at the time and um, then after I listened and went to many of the lectures of the late Dr. Maulana Fadlur Rahman Ansari and where after listening to him and how he explained that your daily profession that you, you are in is all part of Deen. When you study engineering or what, whatever you study in those fields, it's all to do with Deen. The, then also um, uh, we did a, our group, we did a three-year uh, Arabic uh, course uh, every Sunday morning and um, then afterwards and, and you know, at the same time. So Sunday mornings was that, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was uh, Sharia studies, evenings, etc. So it was quite a busy period uh, in one's life. and um, But the drive and the dedication needs to be there. And those days, I must tell you that um, I didn't have a car. 
So I travel all the way from Kensington, take a bus from there, get off in Woodstock, and walk all the way up there yeah. to the Azavia Masjid. Which, which, which is quite steep. I know it's very, very steep. The voice of Imam Mahdi Kail. We're in the program Born to Serve Yon, the voice of the Cape. We're going to take a bit of a break. When we come back, we'll continue. Stay tuned. Born to Serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands will for change. My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Born to Serve Ya on the Voice of the Cape 91.3 from Stereo. This is the program where we look at learned people and our community people who have played a role in uh, our community in uplifting it. And uh, also, we're speaking about things in this particular segment that uh, has inspired me. Um, one of those things is the, the pursuit of knowledge, something that I think we all should all be aspiring to. Obviously, the program is not designed to praise the person simply for what they are doing, but rather it is to give us an expose and give us an understanding of the people in our community and how we can take lessons from what they do as well, inshallah. And as mentioned, I have in studio with me Imam Mahdi Kail. Imam, welcome back. Uh, Imam, uh, obviously now uh, we've spoken before the break about uh, what inspires Imam, uh, the certain personalities within the Islamic studies sphere that has inspired Imam. We've spoken about the pursuit of secular knowledge as well. Now we look at another ambit. One has the ability to accept knowledge and uh, a bold one's understanding of things, but it only really becomes valuable when you impart so obviously now we look at the uh, aspect of publishing uh, the series of books of various books that Imam has throughout the years many of them or most of them uh, with an Islamic coloring to them and focus uh, on specifically the ordinary person if I can put it like that to give them a better understanding for many of us all of us threaten to write one day but we never do so first of all before we even get into any of the books how does Imam make the time to write and what is the process like if Imam has decided I'm going to tackle this topic and write this book? Bismillah rahman rahim Yes, um, that is a uh, well-known uh, question, you know, um, you must find the time for it. Alhamdulillah, I think we waste a lot of time, mm. myself included, and um, but um, the, if one sees the need for something, for example, sometimes you listen to a speaker and this person is trying to to convey a certain message but it doesn't come over so well and you think you know I would have would have explained that in such and such a manner and then you go and you start writing it out and how you would explain uh, a certain issue or how you according to understanding or whatever and you do some research on it and other times again then once you start with a project, you make the intention on here, yeah, I want to write about, uh, I want to inform or make things easy for beginners, for newcomers. And then sometimes you will find that some inspiration, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you some sort of inspiration comes to you. Sometimes you'll even dream what you must write. And sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and get up and I'll write down four or five pages 
that, that came into me what, what should form part of the book. So alhamdulillah, these are all the, 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 the inspirational drives that come one's way and helps you to complete uh, various works. So, so on that, Imam, we spoke now about Nia, and I just want to stop there for a moment. How important is Nia then in doing anything in a sense? I mean, the role of the Nia in looking for work or going to study or uh, even writing a book, how important is that Nia and that intention and the purification of that intention in ultimately the success thereof? Mm. Alhamdulillah, the the one main uh, Nia I think that worked in my favor was that I wasn't writing these books with the intention of making money. Mm. All right. So Alhamdulillah, um, most of the books, I would say 80 or 90% of them have been issued free. It's only some, uh, one or two of them where uh, um, I'm trying to recoup some Expenses. of the money. But otherwise, most of, especially with the, with, the, with the basic Islamic teachings for beginners and Salain practice and uh, those books were all free issue and so the intention or the niyyah was not there to sell books and to make money because Alhamdulillah Allah SWT has granted that I've got a profession I earn my income Alhamdulillah so the, that the drive to, to write books for the sake of, of um, making money that's not there at all Alhamdulillah. Now, if we go through the series of books, and obviously we look at, uh, uh, oh, there's a book for a beginner in understanding the terms, there's a book for people who are coming to the deen, who would like a basic understanding of salah, a basic understanding of the basic fiqh, so to speak, that we sometimes take for granted. Yeah. Has Imam perhaps had comebacks or had experiences where people have come back to your mom and said, you know, this book has really benefited me. Um, I've taken something away from, away from this. I've been able to, um, you know, become more acquainted with Islam through this, this literature. Now, alhamdulillah, a, a lot of the da'wah um, people or groups that we have in our community, most of them are making use of these books. Alhamdulillah. And they would come back and they would even sh uh, send me photographs uh, of how they have handed out these books in the far outlying areas of South Africa. So Alhamdulillah, they, um, they, found, they found it very simple, straightforward. Um, for example, if, if, if in the section on the Salah, for example, the Niyas and everything has been kept to the minimum, to make it easy for the person, not uh, a half a page near or a dua that the person must read, etc. So everything has been kept to the most simplest manner possible and that is what uh, the feedback that I get is, that is what they like about it. So it, it, it serves as a stepping stone. Those who wish to go then further beyond that, then they go and proceed to works of a more uh, detailed nature. But the main thing is to, to, to encourage people to read it and to practice it and to find it very simple and easy. And the, the feedback that I had, that uh, I'm glad that people uh, would say, you know, uh, we find it so simple and so easy. And um, the, 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 they've decided now to, to, to use it, you know, every day uh, in their everyday life. 
that's that's the the alhamdulillah the the good results out of it alhamdulillah now obviously within the series of books i noted there were two books where imam revisited the topic and that was the one of hajj the first one was the book on hajj and then the other one was about the ziyarat places mm. so i detect that there's this particular passion here for this subject yeah. am, am i am i correct in my assumption now the one is advice to hujaj mm-hmm. all right there we've got a um, quite a, a number of capable people teaching hajj mm-hmm. in our community alhamdulillah so i just um, on when i went for hajj the first time uh, that was in 1999 and when i saw the issues and the problems uh, people are faced with so i decided to to write this advice to hujaj and somebody one uh, a person who wrote uh, also wrote a book he said to me you know i was reading again that book on advice to hujaj that advice still stands even though it was written that uh, 19 uh, you know 10 years ago because you you advise people about the pitfalls what you'll come across and how you have to deal with certain issues etc throughout your journey from here to there and also uh, for a lot of people who've gone on hajj i think that's the main, main challenge because uh, some people perhaps become despondent they travel expecting that the journey is going to be like this and then they experience things that they weren't prepared for mm-hmm. and then perhaps they become disheartened in a sense so obviously being realistic about the journey is very important but also that understanding that one is to concentrate your energies and understanding that this is a journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that, that this is the most incredible journey that one mm-hmm. will ever undertake so bring people up to the reality of the situation uh, is important and also alhamdulillah ultimately to prepare them for that uh, for that experience yeah. also you would you would like people's uh, uh, journey to be a memorable one exactly one without the um, strifes and, and disagreements or contracts not being honored etc so this little booklet warns people about all these things uh, the do's and the don'ts you know even before like when i met somebody in makka uh, he was uh, on the with hospital welfare when he was there he said to me you know what i only bought that book or that advice to hujaj a day or two before he left for hajj he says and immediately when he read that he saw all the mistakes he's made already from the start of he was so sorry he didn't get that booklet well before the time you know so alhamdulillah so a, a lot of people have come back and and, and show their appreciation for it and even the ziyara places one alhamdulillah um i'm gonna i'm gonna just uh pause there for a moment we're gonna take a break and when we come back uh we will chat about the secular uh knowledge once again and this time we're going to be exploring one of the other books that was published um but i think one that is unique in the south african context and provides a very important service i think to young people we will chat about that after this born to serve my eyes see injustice my hands work for change my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart the love of allah combined with hope let's hold hands as we make a start alhamdulillah 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 
Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Born to Serve here on the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo. And uh, I'm in studio with uh, Imam Mahdi Kiel. Today we are speaking about Imam's life and times uh, thus far, alhamdulillah. And we've been discussing various aspects. Obviously, our time is limited, but I'd like to get as much out of this interview as possible, inshallah, in the short time that we do have. Uh, the question of uh, um, you know, how Imam was able to juggle all of these, obviously, being someone also got married uh, during that period of time so there was family responsibility there was work responsibility and also responsibility to oneself to further knowledge of deen yes the the the, um, like i said it takes dedication and also then um, uh, attending classes with the late uh, sheikh abu bakr najjar regarding uh, um, and and, uh, those lessons so um, yeah, it was quite, uh, my wife had to sacrifice a lot of time also in that regard. So Alhamdulillah had a very uh, understanding and supporting wife uh, in that regard. And, and with all the books and uh, things that I've been involved in and the writings and uh, my wife must always be the first critic <laughs> and uh, I can hand something to her and say, ask her, read that, you think it makes sense to you, etc. And she will give her comments, etc. Alhamdulillah, in that regard, regard uh, she was a great uh, asset there. Alhamdulillah. Uh, it's always it's wonderful when one spouse supports one in whichever endeavors and alhamdulillah i think that's the most valuable thing in life for, for any man that's married mm-hmm. if he has support of of his wife and his family in his endeavors um also now looking again at the islamic aspect and islamic knowledge mm-hmm. particularly now focusing in on um obviously a lot of shiuch would speak about a lot of students of deen would speak about the fact that uh there was certain perhaps a certain imam or certain sheikh that inspired them uh, that made them hungry for Islamic knowledge. Was there any one or two standout uh, personalities in, in Imam's life that kind of uh, helped surge forward this this desire for Islamic knowledge and inspired Imam in this journey? 1970, that was the time when um, Dr. Maulana Fadlur Rahman Ansari, Rahmatullahi when he visited South Africa, and he was um, here in Cape Town for quite a while. And every night we would go and attend these lectures. And uh, Alhamdulillah, he made a great impact on thousands and thousands of people, myself included. And because the picture of Islam that he painted was such a beautiful picture. And uh, it was addressed and spoken of in terms of the time and age that we were in. And so that was a very, very great inspiration. And also the, the, some of the um, uh, other shuyukh, uh, like Sheikh Tofa, for example, etc. And um, those were inspirational uh, figures uh, that inspired one to get to know more. And alhamdulillah, I always made a point of it that if I did not understand something, I would ask I would go to a sheikh or imam and ask a question and get a reply. If I'm not happy, I will go to another one. And if I'm still not happy, I will go to the third one until I see, okay, I'm happy now with that answer that that one was, has given. So in that way, you know, you, you, mm. the, the drive was always there. And then to get involved with uh, uh, 
the, to, to see the problems that exist with new Muslims, for example. People who became Muslim recently and there were not works available for them at their level. Mm. And that inspired me to write those books on basic Islamic teachings for beginners and reverts. And you try to put yourself into the, the, the shoes of that person. That's a very interesting point. Obviously, we were going to be speaking about the books in, in a moment. And specifically, I, I want to focus in on one of the books in that series, of Terminology Within Islam, that we as born Muslims take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is that, for instance, you can only imagine the experience a, a person, a new Muslim has. He walks into masjid for the first time. Mm-hmm. He sits down and there's a lecture and the imam is throwing around terms or the sheikh is throwing around terms that he doesn't understand and he cannot grasp. So he doesn't really get the benefit and a full understanding, he opens up a kitab and there are all these terms, yes. with sometimes perhaps without the glossary, to, uh, to, to give you an understanding of uh, what it means. So uh, definitely I think uh, there's a place for such books. Yes. And sometimes we take it for granted, because we are born Muslim, yeah. that people should just accept and know. Um, and I think that's a bit unfair on our part sometimes. Yes. Uh, we, like, we like to help people revert to Islam, yes. by the Quran of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. But for the support we give them, yes. thereafter I think is very, very little. Yeah. Now, Alhamdulillah, that, that booklet that I, I did uh, with that in mind is that the new person or new Muslim will hear different phrases, how to greet, how to re- reply to a greeting, and how to say Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, when to say it. All very simple, um, like, on, uh, like a one-page lesson, and large print so that it doesn't scare the person off, and not using difficult terminology, uh, especially in Arabic, etc., that will also scare the person or make the person lose hope of ever knowing those things. The um, the other thing that I can mention is also that uh, in 1986, I think, the when Sheikh Muhammad Jafar came here, Rahmatullahi Ta'ala, he was the successor of Dr. Maulana Fadlur Rahman Ansari, Rahmatullahi, as the spiritual teacher. So I became um, a murid, his murid at that time, and presently um, murid with um, Sheikh Hamid Rabbani Siddiqui Al Qadri Al Alawi, and uh, he lived most of his life in Medina or Manowara. So once a month or so, I would phone him and we would chat. And both of them would always encourage me to spread the message of Islam. The voice of Imam Mahdi Kiel, we're in the program, born to serve you on the voice of the Cape. Um, but one thing that I really have to pause on is in the series of books that the Imam has authored, and it's quite an extensive, quite an extensive library, uh, I think that Imam is starting to build up. The one is looking at career guidance. Which is something in our community that young people struggle with. Um, we find that people end up being directionless, not knowing where they want to go, ending up in a job they're not happy with. And perhaps also parents are not equipped to be able to help the uh, kids make the decisions that would uh, steer them ahead in life in the correct mm-hmm. manner. So obviously I see the need for this, but what was the intention for Imam when publishing this book, or when, when starting to write this book? Uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Yeah, on career guidance, the um, seeing that the the problem that is there well, I, I used to lecture at the uh, technical college um, uh, for about 16 years on a part-time basis evening classes and f- what I what I normally did was on the very first night when we started I would ask each person to tell me what he or she does in their work life 
And at the end of the, the, the questioning or, uh, and the answers that they provided, you would find three or four of them that were in the wrong class. Because they are coming to sit in the class, for example, on the uh, SABS standards um, pertaining to electrical engineering or for electricians, for example. Now, that is the first step that makes one notice that there were poor, uh, some of the students that didn't know they were in the wrong class and I advised them that they must go back to the, to the registration office and which direction to take. Also the high percentage of dropouts at our universities, right? At some universities the dropout rate is 50% within the first term. I mean that's costing parents a lot of money. And it's, it's a nightmare for a lot of parents. Uh, some of them come with their children to me and they say, my son doesn't know what he wants to, to do. Can you advise him? And, and I'm sure this is the case with 90% uh, um, or 95% of, of, of learners that they haven't got an idea of this is the career path that I want to take and they haven't got enough information on it. So that is why I started with this book on career guidance in order to provide that information only in this field, the built environment field. In other words, everything to do with the construction environment. Who were the professionals involved? Um, if, they, if they like the new stadium that they built or a new uh, shopping complex, who are the people involved there? Or a new school building that they're building? Who are the people involved there? Many of us, the majority of us, have got no clue or can maybe just mention, oh yeah, there's an architect. But there's 12 or 13 other professionals that are required, whose input are required into the design of buildings. There's your geotech engineer, your civil engineer, structural engineer, mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, quantity surveyor, project engineer, um, land surveyor, etc., etc. All those people need to give their input into the design of a building before they start to build. And if our children do not know, and, and obviously you get the, the trades that come off that. Because each profession, for example, you've got your, CEO, your principal engineer, senior engineer, junior engineer, and you've got assistants, etc. So all these are fields that are there to, to be pursued by our youth. But if they don't know these things, that is why they don't know, why must I study mathematics or science? What is the importance? And that's why I always warn, never ever abandon the study of mathematics or physical science, because then you close a lot of doors to the, to the uh, tertiary institutions. Even also, can we say that perhaps within these fields, uh, the built environment, as Mamas put yeah. it, that there is a deficiency uh, when it comes to applicants for these kinds of fields. The way I see it, a lot of students tend to gravitate towards accounting or uh, they want to study law or, or, or some of the more yes. popular fields. Some softer, of the softer professions. Yes, or go into IT. No one really wants to get their hands dirty. Yeah. Uh, would you say that there's a deficiency in this? And is this becoming a problem in South Africa? Yes, it, it has led to that there is a great shortage now of professionals in these fields and even tradespersons. And um, the, 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 that is the, the seriousness of the issue that very soon they'll have to import people to come and build here and to come and work here, which shouldn't be the case. 
because there is honor in all professions. The, whether the person is a bricklayer or a carpenter or a plasterer, that building is not going to happen unless you have those people. That is the important role they play. Even the laborer who must mix the cement or, or help the, the, the artisan, all part of the team. And they are all needed in order to build the South Africa. So, therefore, because of this lack of information, the desire is... I mean, if you look at the beautiful building in Cape Town, how many youngsters would look at the building and say, you know, I would have been like to... I would like to have been part of this... Uh, in the design of this building. Now, who are the people involved? Who ensures that the lines of the building are all straight and vertical up? Right? Your construction surveyor who must ensure that when the building is finished and he sees one building and the other, those lines must be parallel and straight and vertical. So these are all the different professionals involved in bringing that uh, into uh, uh, fruition or into existence. And this is how, I mean, this is Allah SWT's uh, marvelous uh, creation. That is why the engineers and whoever they are, when they study mathematics and science and, um, and about the atoms and about buildings, construction, you are studying Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's creation. And all knowledge is noble. All, all knowledge from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, because we need that knowledge in order to survive as a community. We need to have carpenters, bricklayers, uh, plasterers, painters, plumbers, electricians. All those people are needed to run a town or establish a town and to run a town and to look after infrastructure. Imam, um, I'm going to put Imam on the spot now and ask the question, is there something Imam's working on at the moment? Is there something that's caught Imam's eye, perhaps within the Islamic field or uh, in the secular field that Imam would like to pursue still, inshallah, that Imam would like to write about? I've started, somebody came to me, um, somebody in a, belonging to a, a political organization, he came to me and said, Look here, we like this book of yours, this career guidance book. But we would like you to write a book now, that is now for grade 10, 11, 12. We would like you to write a book now for grade 8 to 9. And also to, in, to inform our counsellors and those people who must agitate for service delivery, etc., to, to, to teach to them also what the, these professions are about. So I, that was, that was the, the book that I wrote now last year, Alhamdulillah. I've submitted it to the Department of Education. They gave a favorable commendation, like with the other one. And then I gave this book now to these uh, members of parliament to, to read. And they came back and they said, oh, this is what they were looking for all the time. Alhamdulillah, very impressed with it. So I'm just waiting on that now to see the light of day, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. So while I was right, there, is another, there was another book of the works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Alhamdulillah. Imam, shukran so much for joining us this evening on Born to Serve. We do appreciate Imam's time. And also, at the same time, once again, uh, we take lessons from, from, from one another in terms of um, whatever we can benefit. I'm sure that this interview has benefited some 
especially young people who are listening, when we talk about uh, the opportunities that are out there, Imam has spoken about in the in the uh, the building field. So let's hope, inshallah, that we can we can change the dynamic that exists into a more positive dynamic, inshallah. I mean, inshallah, Imam, shukran so much once again, and all the best for the rest of the evening. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Well, of course, uh, that was Imam Mahdi Kiril in the program Point to Serve, and we were looking at Imam's life and times. Uh, and one of the things that really struck me when Imam was speaking about uh, his uh, Islamic education is the fact that all of us who have the desire, it's nothing if we don't make the effort. And inshallah, let's hope that uh, if we have the desire, if we want to go and study khifs, or if we want to you know, become a little bit more clued up in terms of our deen, let's make that effort inshallah, and let's uh, uh, start to move forward uh, physically more than just uh, from a um, you know, intentional point of view inshallah. From myself, Muhammad Rasik, peace and I'll speak to you again. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. That concludes yet a wonderful interview and discussion with our honorable guest Imam Mahdi Kriol, respected listeners. I'm sure that you are inspired just as much as I am. Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless him, keep him safe and accept all his contributions for his sake, his pleasure. Insha'Allah. We hope you've enjoyed it. We've hoped that you've gained much knowledge from it, insha'Allah.